Hello there, uh, my name's Jill and I'm based here in the UK, United Kingdom. I'm based in Reading in Berkshire, which is about 45 minutes outside London. So um, if I travel down to my local train station and get on the train and go up to London, a direct train takes me about, I don't know, 35 minutes outside London. So um, and I'm sitting here today and I'm wanting to be beginning to start to introduce uh, some processes that I've been using, some physical processes that I've been using probably, oh, I don't know, going back in the last um, almost 18 years. I think it was um, way back in about 1990 I first came across Feldenkrais work and it was um, through a patient of mine. He'd been out in Australia and he had had a stroke diving into the sea to help to rescue his wife who was in distress and he'd ended up being the one who was being rescued. So he was taken into hospital and while he was being rehabilitated he was introduced by a physiotherapist to the work of Moshe Feldenkrais and he did some of the lessons, the awareness through movement lessons, uh, as part of his rehabilitation. Now Feldenkrais work has been around, oh gosh, Feldenkrais died in the 1970s. He died um, when he was 84. So this stuff isn't new. Uh, but for some reason, it just hasn't got out there. It hasn't got out there like the Alexander Technique or Pilates. Um, I don't know why, but for some reason, it just hasn't grabbed the attention of the public. And so I thought what I'd do with these podcasts is to perhaps introduce the Feldenkrais work to a bigger community. The work itself is is physical work, and we use two forms of um, two I suppose what you call processes really. One of them is, is hands-on. Uh, we touch, as a practitioner, we touch, we put hands-on and we actually physically move the person while they lay relaxed and sensing and feeling what's going on inside themselves. We move them into different configurations to show them how their arm can move, say, in relation to their shoulder blade, how their body can move into relation with the arm and enables the person to be beginning to start to have a different sense of how they might be able to use themselves. The other way that we work is through what are called awareness through movement lessons and these are where we talk people through little micro movement sequences. Sometimes they can be as short as five ten minutes, sometimes a lesson can be an hour, sometimes people go on a whole day of different workshops where they might address um, a particular type of movement, say for example if they want to learn how to know how they walk. Um, I mean if you imagine when you walk down the road, most of us just do things like walking down the road pretty much without thinking about what we're doing. And so it can be quite useful for people to have an understanding of how they're walking, how they're moving from side to side. And instead of taking this sort of therapeutic approach, which my background is as a physio so in in therapy in most forms of therapy you tell people how they should do they how how they should do things the right way so if you say oh you're leaning over to one side what you need to do is look you need to lift that shoulder and move your chest across and put the weight on this leg that's um, shifting you into a pattern that you didn't really understand how to do in the first place because uh, habits and patterns start when we are so very, very little. Um, 
So with the awareness through movement side of things, what we do is we actually enable people, we talk them through a group, a group lesson, and again a group can be anything from two people I've taught in inverted commas, groups of two. I've, I've actually taught awareness through movement lessons just one-to-one. -one. Um, or up to 40, 80, 100. I've taught um, a big groups at conferences where everyone's been lying on the floor, sitting in a chair, and I've talked them through. And as I say, sometimes we're talking here 100 people doing um, a movement lesson at the same time. And each of the processes that we do, as I said, is very, very small, very gentle, very tiny. We introduce movement in a non-habitual way. So if you think, if I said to you, uh, pick up a cup, you'd reach out and you'd pick the cup up. But what I might do if I was doing a lesson is I might work something around your foot, something around your hip, something around the way your head moves around your neck and shoulders. So a lot of the movement is done in a way it's a bit like going on a treasure hunt and you don't really know what and where you're going to end up. So you can be led all over the place but the teacher, the practitioner, the trainer, the person who's running the lesson knows perhaps where you want to go but that depends on the group of people which we'll come back to later. So awareness through movement lessons, there are lots and lots of these because Feldenkrais himself was, Moshe Feldenkrais was a man. He was born in, um, I think it was part of Russia. And he moved away, he moved away, he was Jewish and he moved away and he went to live in what became Israel. And he studied, he was a renaissance man, he was an engineer, a physicist, he had a doctorate, and he had an injury. He got an injury to his knee. He did a lot of judo, he was a judoki, and he injured his knee and he realised that when he wasn't thinking about what he was doing, sometimes his knee would let him down. And his curiosity led him to want to think of a way he could work out a solution. And he used this process of exploring and developing creativity to come up with thousands and thousands of lessons that he used to teach to lots of other people. So we've got a huge library. Feldenkrais practitioners have got a huge library of lessons at our disposal that Feldenkrais himself has already designed. And also, a Feldenkrais practitioner will often design a lesson for the individual. So when we stand up, for example, if I'm talking about a big group, like a imagine a big conference and you've got everybody sitting in chairs, I might start wanting to run a lesson a certain way and then I begin to notice that some people in the audience perhaps can't twist a certain way, can't turn a certain way, and the lesson has to be changed and adapted as you go through. So awareness through movement lessons and functional integration have a relationship to each other and the reason that they have a relationship to each other is because essentially in an awareness through movement lesson you lie down and you make the movements yourself while you're listening to somebody you're making those movements so interpret what the person is saying into the movements that you make. There's no demonstration so there's nobody standing at the front of the class sort of watch me, follow me, do it like this. It's all about exploring and doing it your own way. When we do functional integration, which is hands-on, what we're doing is the person is lying on a table and we have a special big wide table that we use. Feldenkrais practitioners use a, a big, if you imagine, a like a massage table, but it's a meter wide. 
So um, an average massage table is about, well, I can't think in centimetres what it is, but in inches, it's, say, about 26 inches wide. A Feldenkrais table is more like 40 inches wide, so it's a lot wider. It's almost as wide as a dining table. So if you imagine lying on something almost as wide as a dining table, when you lie down, your arms can relax by your sides. They're not going to fall off the edge of the massage table. If you've ever been and had a massage, you can know that sometimes you're lying there and you're relaxing, but your hands keep falling off the table at the sides. So we use these big, wide tables, and they're very long. They're about two meters long. And they, don't, they go down quite low. They go down lower than an average massage table. So if you think of an average massage table, you can just about manage to sit with your feet on the floor. On a Feldenkrais table, we can take it even lower than that. And the whole table is made of really strong wood, uh, padded, again, like a massage table. But it's strong because as the Feldenkrais practitioner is working with you, often as you're lying there, the Feldenkrais practitioner will need to kneel on the table, stand on the table, because the, the practitioner uses their own structure, their own skeleton to take the weight. When we do the training, that's a four-year training for a Feldenkrais practitioner, and that's after you've been doing it for some years. It's a four-year training program, and during that training program, which is part-time, during that training program, you practice a lot of the work on yourself. So we do a lot of awareness through movement and functional integration lessons on ourselves so that when we sit or we stand or we move and we're supporting our student uh, as we move their leg or arm or head or foot or whatever, we can keep our system well supported so that we don't have to use a lot of muscle effort. and because we don't use a lot of muscle effort, the person lying on the table, um, it feels as if they're being lifted quite effortlessly. That means they can then relax. So as they feel safe on the table and comfortable and well relaxed, they can really feel what's going on. So these, these two processes, and as I say, I'm going to go through a little awareness through movement lesson that I'm going to put up on these podcasts later on. These two processes link together. So supposing you're lying on the floor and I'm talking you through some gentle movement work. So I'm suggesting you sense and feel the contact with your body underneath you onto the floor and begin to start to roll your left arm in and out or something similar. And as you start to roll your left left arm in and out, you realize that it's uncomfortable or it has there's a restriction of movement. You just don't seem to be able to do it. So sometimes what can happen then is that you can go to a Feldenkrais practitioner and say, I'd like to have a functional integration, one-to-one, hands-on functional integration around this issue of how I'm using my left arm. Because every time I move that left arm out and in, I seem to get discomfort. So what would happen then is you would lie on the table, you would feel calm and relaxed, we'd have a look at the way you were moving, And hands-on, we would introduce your system to maybe sensing and feeling, relaxing, noticing what's going on somewhere else. So these two processes of functional integration and awareness through movement really fit together well. When I work with my clients, I often say to them, Here are some functional integration lessons. I'm going to do some hands-on. But what you really need to do is go to some classes as well. 
Now, if I were to have one dream, I'd say that what I'd really love is to have Feldenkrais um, awareness through movement lessons out there in the community. I would love people to be able to go along to a local gym, um, studio, dance studio, whatever. I'd love them to be able to go along and just take part in some of these lessons. But as I say, it hasn't grown the way that um, Pilates or some of the other processes have grown. So who knows, maybe if I begin to start to put some podcasts and bits and pieces out here and people out there begin to start to get interested, then they'll start to ask people if they know anyone who's a Feldenkrais practitioner. And from that, what can grow is small groups and communities. So maybe the network can grow, the Feldenkrais practitioner network can grow. And this needs to happen because if we don't use this work and we don't develop it and we don't bring it forward, it's just going to die. Because at the moment we have, because Feldenkrais died in um, the 1970s, if you think that's 30 years ago, so the generation of trainers that we have now, Feldenkrais trainers who are training training programs, these people were trained by Feldenkrais. But there are only a small number of people who are coming through to become new trainers. And it's like any process, any work, it needs new evolving research to be associated with it. So when you think about doing any sort of movement work, what you need to do is to think about being safe. And I can't, I can't use this word safe enough times, but safety is really important. When you go to do some physical work, you need to look after yourself. So if I'm putting up some of these podcasts and they're going to be sitting here, what I'd really like is for people to make sure that they don't push themselves, they don't stress, they don't strain. If, for example, uh, during a lesson you get told to lie on the floor and lie on your left side and you know lying on your left side is uncomfortable, then look after yourself. Just lie on your right side or sit up or sit in a different position. Imagine yourself lying on your side and take care. So if you know you've got wear and tear problems, you've got arthritis, you've got any number of medical conditions that you need to speak to your doctor about before you do movement work, have a chat with the doctor, ask if it's okay. You can always get the doctor to listen to one of the podcasts and if he thinks to himself, yep, that's fine, you'd be able to do that safely. Or draw the attention to the work of your physical therapist, depending on what country you are, your physiotherapist, your physical therapist, your osteopath, your chiropractor. Again, ask them to listen to the lesson. If they say, yes, that's fine, you can go ahead and you can do it safely, go ahead and do it safely. But take, take care. Go at your own pace and look after yourself. Around the world, there are quite a lot of different trainings that you can you can go on. You can go on trainings to become a practitioner and as I said the four-year training that I did and this is going back to I finished mine eight years ago so that was the basic training and since then I've done a lot of training with other practitioners throughout the world. I've trained in advanced processes associated with this mainly for my own curiosity because I would like to stay young and I'd like to keep my movement and capabilities and brain young as well. So I like to do the movement work for me. There are an enormous number of practitioners out there who don't have a medical background though. So 
sometimes when people come to see me, because I'm a physiotherapist, um, sometimes when they come, I can have a bit of a better understanding about their bones, their joints, their muscles, um, what's wrong with their discs or what's wrong in terms of the treatment that they're having, what their medical practitioner has um, prescribed for them in the way of medication, etc. So do make sure if you do go and see a Feldenkrais practitioner in your town, you phone up, um, make sure that you ask them if they are medically trained. Make sure that you ask them if they completed the full training and what background they come from. If they don't have any sort of medical background and they really don't understand what a, a disc herniation or a neuralgia or a arthritic problem actually involves, then do make sure you check yourself out before you go and see them. The lessons are always designed to be educational as opposed to therapeutic. So Feldenkrais work is not a therapy. So we want to make people feel even better. It's a bit like positive psychology. If you think for years and years psychology focused on all the negative stuff and now positive psychology is beginning to work on how to enable people to feel better and better. Feldenkrais work does that. In Feldenkrais work we want you to get to know what you do. So as a baseline I would like you to get to know how you move, how you use yourself, what your habits are and I'd like you to befriend them. I want you really, your body is is yours and the organic structure and way in which your bones and joints relate to the neighbor that is just above, just below, alongside them, uh, to the sinews and fibers, all of that is unique to you. And if you can get to know what your patterns and habits are, as opposed to wanting to change them. And you remember I said earlier about physios tend to go in and say, let's change this, let's shift this, let's do things a different way, don't stand like that, stand like this, look, you're lopsided. Get to know what your patterns and habits are because there will be elements of those, if you like, threads, memories. So if you have a tendency to sit to one side, you also have a tendency most likely to use that pattern when you sit in the car, when you sit in the settee, if you go away to the theatre or if you're travelling in a coach or on an aeroplane. That's your comfy, that's your safe place, that's your home path, your home pattern. If what we do is try to take you out of that home path and pattern, what can happen is that you don't know how to do things a different way, so you start to get different aches and pains. So get to know yourself first. I think it was, what is it, Socrates, know thyself. And the more you know yourself, the more then if you start to learn how to move in a slightly different way, you've got more scope, you've got more ability and capability open to you. So instead of always doing things the way you do them, it's that old phrase, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. So if you always sit the same way, always stand the same way, always lean the same way, what's gonna happen is you're gonna compress um, a certain little tiny baby bones and joints in there and your distant cousins of nieces and nephews of joints that are a little bit distant cousins down there are going to get pressures put on them as well. So one of the positive payouts from doing Feldenkrais work I've mentioned already but I'll bring back now. One of the positive things about Feldenkrais work is it keeps you young. It keeps you nimble and agile. It enables you to move the way that you moved when you were 20 years old without putting pressure and stress. 
You don't have to have your bones and joints cricked and cracked in order to enable yourself to learn how to rediscover the movement patterns and habits you had years ago. If you've got wear and tear, obviously some of that wear and tear might cause the joints to be a little bit restricted. But at the end of the day, when you have the potential there to move, oftentimes what happens is people just don't, they just don't use that potential. So they've got into a habit of not using themselves and what happens is that they just become more and more set, more and more habituated, standing a certain way, moving a certain way, using their hands a certain way, smiling a certain way, and they don't realize they're doing it. So if what you'd like to do is to learn more about how you use yourself, enable yourself to have more flexibility and less chance of continuously pressuring certain joints so that you keep getting aches and pains and wear and tear symptoms starting, then if what you want to do is to learn something about those things, then listen along. I'm going to be putting up some lessons gradually over the next few weeks and months. I'm going to be putting them up as I've got time. And you can come back, you can dip in, you can dip out. Um, I also sell lessons online. I've got some that I sell through my website, which is specifically geared up towards uh, the symptoms that people get when they've got musculoskeletal problems sitting in front of the computer. So RSI, um, neck pain, back pain, etc., etc. So I've put some processes together that if you find these helpful and useful, you can explore. Do lead people to listen to this. It would be really great to get more people out there interested in the Feldenkrais work. Uh, Feldenkrais is F-E-L-D-E-N-K-R-A-I-S. It's the name of this podcast. If you go on Amazon, you can find some books that he wrote. Um, Awareness Through Movement, the very basic one that he wrote, there are some very easy lessons in there for health. There are also some other practitioners like Ruthie Allon, who's written a book called Mindful Spontaneity. Um, there are some books that have been written about back pain problems, etc., related to Feldenkrais. Um, running with your whole body, skiing with your whole body. So there are some books out there, and if you search around on the internet, you will find resources which mean that you can do some of the work at home on your own. So when you want to do the work, and hopefully you'll be listening in later on and coming back and actually wanting to do some of these movement lessons, find yourself a nice big space on the floor. Um, you'll need roughly, well, about three me two, three, two, three meters width um, and about two meters, three meters long. So if you imagine you lie on the floor and you've got your arms lengthened out about above your head, you're going to need that sort of distance. And also if you imagine you can then roll over onto your right side and stretch things out and roll over onto your left side, you need a fair bit of space. Um, and if you're going to be going on the floor and doing movement work, make sure you've got mats, something like a deep rug or a quilt or a cushion. So take care of yourself, have everything around and enjoy. And as I say, hopefully this has given you a bit of an insight into some of the work, what the two processes are, functional integration, hands-on, awareness through movement, doing the exercises, processes on the floor, and also enabled you to have an understanding that this, this method is about learning. It's not a therapy, um, it's not a treatment technique, it is sometimes used by therapists or by PTs, by exercise professionals, but it's not designed to be a conditioning process. Um, it's all about learning how to be more fulfilled and changing how and who you are. So thank you very much for listening to this. And I look forward to getting some feedback on the lessons when I come to put them up. And all being well, we'll get those done 
very soon. If you need to get in touch with me, you can email me through the website here. You can leave some comments up. And as I say, it would be great to hear how you get on. Thank you very much.